He must have put on yours instead of his own. So I must have put both pairs in her room, his and yours, years ago. Then go and change them. That's all right, sniggered Simeon. Go and change them. Where am I to find him now? He went off an hour ago. Go and look for the wind in the fields. Where does he live, then? Who can tell? He comes here every Tuesday, and where he lives I don't know. He comes and stays the night, and then you may wait until next Tuesday. There, do you see? You brute, what you've done. Why, what am I to do now? It is time I was at Madame Chevelitsyn's. You anathema. My feet are frozen. You can change the boots before long. Put on these boots, go about in them till the evening, and in the evening go to the theatre. Ask there for Blistanov, uh, the actor. If you don't care to go to the theatre, you will have to wait till next Tuesday. He only comes here on Tuesdays. But why are there two boots for the left foot? asked the piano tuner, picking up the boots with an air of disgust. What God sent him, that he wears, through poverty. Where is an actor to get boots? I said to him, What boots, Pavel Alexandrich? They are a positive disgrace. And he said, Hold your peace, says he, and turn pale. In those very boots I played counts and princes. A queer lot. Artists. That's the only word for them. If I were the governor or anyone in command, I would get all these actors together and clap them all in prison. Continually sighing and groaning and knitting his brows, Murkin drew the two left boots onto his feet and set off limping to Madame Chevelitsyn's. He went about the town all day long tuning pianos, and all day long it seemed to him that everyone was looking at his feet and seeing his patched boots with heels worn down at the sides. Apart from his moral agonies, he had to suffer physically also. The boots gave him a corn. In the evening he was at the theatre. There was a performance of Blue Beard. It was only just before the last act, and then only thanks to the good offices of a man he knew who played a flute in the orchestra, that he gained admittance behind the scenes. Going to the men's dressing room, he found there all the male performers. Some were changing their clothes, others were painting their faces, others were smoking. Bluebeard was standing with King Bobesh, showing him a revolver. You'd better buy it, said Bluebeard. I bought it at Kursk, a bargain for eight roubles. But there, I'll let you have it for six. A wonderfully good one. Steady, it's loaded, you know. Can I see Mr. Blistanov? The piano tuner asked as he went in. I'm here, said Bluebeard, turning to him. What do you want? You see, said the piano tuner, addressing Bluebeard. Uh, you stayed last night at Buchteev's furnished apartments, number 64. What's this nonsense, said King Bobish with a grin. My wife is at number 64. Your wife, sir? Morkin smiled. It was she, your good lady, who gave me this gentleman's boots. After this gentleman, 
the piano tuner indicated Blistanov, had gone away. I missed my boots. I called the waiter, you know, and he said, I left your boots in the next room, by mistake, being in a state of intoxication. He left my boots as well as yours at sixty-four, said Murkin, turning to Blistanov. And when you left this gentleman's lady, you put on mine. What are you talking about? said Blistanov as he scowled. Have you come here to libel me? Not at all, sir. God forbid. You misunderstood me. What am I talking about? About boots. You did stay the night at number sixty-four, didn't you? When? Last night. Why?